Good morning. Would you please stand and sing with us? Please pray with us. 
Dear God, we thank you for this day. We thank you that we are able to come together and worship you here. Lord, we pray today that you would open our hearts and our minds so that we can focus on the message and receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn and greet one another. Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist Church. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the pastor here. We're so grateful that you've joined with us today. We'd like to frame our announcements in our five practices, the first of which is radical hospitality. So if you'll take your bulletin that you were handed and turn to the radical hospitality section in your bulletin. I don't say everything that's there. Some things I say are not there, but we want to make sure that you understand most of these announcements, especially the long ones, are in the bulletin so that you don't have to remember exactly what we say. We want to welcome visitors. We want to make sure that you understand we have a security check-in station in the back. We have coffee and donuts here. We have tables for our preschool during the week, but we can now leave them there and worship because we have brand new chairs. You're welcome to sit at that table uh, throughout the entire service or at the very beginning and then come join us in the um, worship space and restrooms are over here on the hallway. We have visitor cards and prayer cards. If you want to participate in the prayer life of our church, simply raise your hand and uh, uh, Usher will bring you a prayer card. You can fill out that card and it will go directly um, to our Tuesday prayer group and to me. We also, if you notice in the bulletin, have a 24-7 um, uh, pastoral care line. You can call that. You'll get a voicemail immediately. Uh, leave a message and I'll get it just about immediately. If you ask people who have called it, usually they get a call back um, between 5 minutes, 30 minutes. Um, and if you want simply to share a prayer concern with us, don't want an immediate response, uh, you can do that as well. Just leave a message. Uh, with supper at 6 is coming up and you can register today in the um, Pew Register or go online to do it. Um, it's an excellent program. Reverend Laura Bratton is a good friend of mine. She grew up at Buncombe Street. Uh, she lost her sight in her teenage years and she has written a book on uh, overcoming uh, that barrier and living her life now. She's going to be our speaker in the social hall. She's going to do a great job. And if you pay $5 for adults, uh, $8 for adults, $5 for children, you get a, her, the, her book uh, included in that. You'll walk out the door with the book, and I think that's um, pretty great. We believe in passionate worship. And we've got a really neat idea for that that's been um, a dream of Aaron's for some time. And she's walked through the trustees and um, administrative council of our church. And she has a great presentation for us. Good morning. I'm Erin Knight, Director of Children and Family Ministries, and the title I don't use anymore is Landscape Architect, um, but that is what I studied in school, um, and I'm still passionate about it, but what I found is if you do this professionally, you don't get to just do the sweet projects like this one. Um, so for years, my husband jokes, I only do the free ones, the ones that don't pay, but that I'm passionate about. So that's what this qualifies as for sure. Um, this is just out this window, here, or just out this door here um, on the other side side of the social hall facing the parking lot. 
uh, it's a prayer garden. And um, we all pray in different ways. Many of us um, feel closer to God outside sometimes than inside. I know that can be true for me at times. So the thought of this space is it's somewhere you can go um, to be thoughtful and prayerful. Um, there'll be a fountain in the middle. Um, in school, when we studied how to create sacred spaces, they always had water to reflect the sky and symbolize God coming into the space with us. Um, there'll be lots of different plants. We'll be deliberately attracting wildlife and um, certifying this as a wildlife habitat. The kids will get to follow that process and um, take all the steps, so that should be fun and educational for them. Um, but first and foremost, this is a space for all of you. The kids are going to do as much as they can to provide it, putting plants in the ground, um, creating birdhouses and bird feeders to hang there, things like that. Um, but, as you might imagine, there are some things that this will require that kids cannot do. Uh, a little bit more heavy lifting, a little bit more skilled labor. If anyone out there really loves plants and would like to be part of a work day to get some of the larger trees and shrubs in the ground, I would love to have you. Um, if you are able to install a um, picket fence, that's one feature that will go in on the early side. Um, I would love to have someone with that kind of experience that I lack um, so that we can get this done and do it the most beautiful way we can. Um, anything we don't get covered by volunteer labor, we will pay to have done. But um, I've done many volunteer gardens, um, largely for children uh, in the past. But I find that the more we all go in together and create these spaces, the more we feel ownership and pride in them, and the more special they are. So please email me if you would like to be a part of this project. And I promise, if you're interested, there is a space for you. We'd love to have you. Thanks. Thank you, Aaron. Ms. Carolinda Robinson is one of our great members at the 11 o'clock service and money was given in her honor uh, years ago in a restricted account and we approached her with this idea and she loved it. Uh, so that's um, going to be in her honor. Um, you can see, another, you can see uh, all of the details in the front page of our newsletter. We have a newsletter out today, a printed one you can take in your hands. Uh, we also have a digital one that will go out over email in the coming days. Uh, we also believe in intentional faith development. Uh, tonight we continue at 5 o'clock uh, with children, youth, and adults. It will be till 6.30. Uh, all of our programs stand alone. If you haven't ever come on Sunday night, you can come on Sunday night and join with what we're doing. And I think you'll have a great time. We believe in risk-taking mission and service. Mission and service team met last week and voted to allocate um, a significant amount of money to UMCOR and to Greer Community Ministries. The, you'll hear more about that in two weeks when they um, get back to uh, their normal practice on the third week of celebrating a certain practice and mission and anticipating a certain practice and mission. I think you'll be very grateful. And finally, we believe in extravagant generosity. You'll notice um, the back of your bulletin has everything to do with uh, giving that people have given us, and we're grateful for that. And you also see instructions on how to give online. So those are our um, announcements for the day. We appreciate you looking at them. Take a newsletter, take a bulletin, take them home, put it on your um, refrigerator so you don't have to remember. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we've traveled here. We've made whatever choices we had to make to get ready, to get dressed, to get everyone in the car, to maybe have one car and then another car, but we're here. And we're grateful to be here. Transition us, Lord, from getting here to being here. 
surrounding your table, hearing your word, proclaiming your message. Inspire us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Cannot shake the cough. I think it's a, I think it's a head thing now. Anytime I have to say something, I start thinking about it. Let's look at temples. This is the first temple in Jerusalem, built by Solomon in honor of his father. Dedicated 953 BCE. Very few people would have been on the outside. Less than three people would have gone on the inside. Beautiful, ornate, gold, figuring that this is the place in which God will reside after a long journey through the desert, wandering. Now we're home. Unfortunately, it was destroyed by the Babylonians in 586. It made it from 953 to 586. You math made it 300-ish. Let's look at the next one. This is the second temple. And in fact, this is a replica. If you can see in the very back, there's someone's hand. That's a human standing there. This is an um, amazing reproduction of Jerusalem at the time of the second temple. And you can walk around it like it's a dollhouse or play set. Second temple is dedicated around 515 BCE. And they say this time we're going to make it even better. This time we're going to make it even more beautiful. We're going to make it even more ornate than the Romans came. And the Jewish people took it for a long time. In fact, they were under occupation as Jesus was there. After Jesus' death, the people rebel. And the Romans say, you know, we let you live. We let you do your thing. We let you have your little religion. No more. Smashed it. And it was destroyed by the Romans around 70 A.D. Jesus actually saw it. <coughs> Apologize. Jesus actually saw it. Actually told his disciples, this won't be here for all days. This isn't the most significant thing. It was raised over tens and tens of years, but it will fall. Of course, he's doing a uh, double meaning about himself as the temple. And every bit of that is confusing to his people. It's confusing to them that he could be the temple. It's confusing to them that this monstrosity could be destroyed. Not long after his life, it is. Let's look at one more picture. This is the Dome of the Rock. The epitome of the Muslim faith. You know where it is? Right where the temple was. Right exactly where the temple was. Guess how the people of the Jewish faith feel about that. They don't like it. Guess why they wanted to put the Dome of the Rock right there? To show them. And in fact, there are preparations being made by the Jewish people, should they ever get an opportunity again for a third temple. Even more beautiful. Even more ornate. 
because they want a place on that spot. Here's the trouble. In that temple, there were plenty of impediments to hear the word of God. To hear that people could be forgiven. To hear that they can be reconciled. To hear that there could be a new covenant. And we're going to read about that conflict today. Matthew 21, verse 23. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders came, elders of the people came to him as he was teaching. They asked, what kind of authority do you have for doing these things? Who gave you this authority? Jesus replied, I have a question for you. If you tell me the answer, I'll tell you what kind of authority I have to do these things. Where did John get his authority to baptize? Did he get it from heaven or from humans? They argued among themselves. If we say from heaven, he'll say to us, then why didn't you believe him? But we can't say from humans. We're afraid of the crowd, since everyone thinks John was a prophet. Then they replied, we don't know. Jesus also said to them, Neither will I tell you what kind of authority I have to do these things. So your first phrase is the temple. And this is where this conflict is. You know what directly preceded them asking him, What kind of authority do you have? He walked over to the money changers, over to the table, and flipped it over. See, you can mess with someone's practices. You can tangle with their interpretations. You can talk about their tradition. And it's escalating. But if you do something with their money, people get hostile. In every phase of life, people get hostile when money is messed with. Because so many individuals, groups, and entities are living right there on the edge. And they have no room to go in any other direction. And people who aren't on the edge, who have made a great deal of money doing whatever this practice is, they don't like for you to mess with them either. So if in the temple, if your dream is to go there once in your life, or once a year... And you get there, and the money that you have is not the money that you need. You have to trade in the money that you have for the money that you need. And there's a surcharge in order to do that. How would you feel about that? You don't have to think too hard, do you? Anybody been to Disney? <laughs> right? You know what it takes to even get there? You know what it takes to even get your family there? The great ones know what it took you to get there and want to remove any impediment to you being there. But the ones who want to protect everything, the ones who want to profit, the ones who want to have a stranglehold on power aren't thinking about that. They're not thinking about what people want. They're thinking about what they need. So when they go to the temple, there are upcharges. When people go to the temple, there are arguments. When people go to the temple, they see people leading in fear. You ever see a leader in your workplace that's leading from a place of fear? 
is not a good place. Figuring that they need to sniff out anybody who's against them and squash them before anybody can raise up. It's not a fun place to be. These leaders are not curious. They're not interested. They want Jesus gone. And I referenced an image in the um, podcast about the movie The Rainmaker with Matt Damon. And he's a tiny lawyer at a tiny firm. And he's up against some insurance guys and he's on one side and there's about 12 of them on the other side. And anytime they ask him a question, he's got to just answer. But anytime you ask the other 12, you know, they've got to huddle first. These geniuses that are making hundreds of dollars an hour are looking and going, I don't know, man. And coming back at him. What do you hope for in that movie? You hope that the little guy somehow finds a loophole that they can't stop. I would assume we do the same thing with the gospel. When Jesus says, all right, you want to ask me a question? I'll ask you one first. And if you can answer it, I'll answer you. All they can see is downside in answering. And so these guys who are primarily responsible for upcharges, primarily responsible for um, conflict, and are leading in fear, are creating a huge impediment to who he is and what he's trying to do. Let's look at the next verse. What do you think? A man had two sons. Now he came to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. No, I don't want to, he replied. But later he changed his mind and went. The father said the same thing to the other son who reported, Yes, sir. But he didn't go. Which one of these two did his father's will? They said the first one. Jesus said to them, I assure you that tax collectors and prostitutes are entering God's kingdom ahead of you. For John came to you on the righteous road, but you didn't believe him. But tax collectors and prostitutes believed him. Yet even after you saw this, you didn't change your hearts and lives, and you didn't believe him. So your last phrase. The righteous road. You know how far the righteous road is he's describing from the temple? Long way. It's out there in the wilderness. It's out there where no one has any influence or authority. Now why does it gain so much power out there rather than in town in the temple? Why do tax collectors and prostitutes get on the train first? See, we're not accustomed to a single church in which we hope to go visit once in our life or once a year. But we can get that we are somewhat of an institution on this campus and that we come here on a regular basis and expect a similar thing to happen than happened last week. We don't like being surprised. We don't like being scared. We don't like being pressed. Now, some ministers will say, y'all don't like being surprised. Y'all don't like being scared. Y'all don't like being pressed. If y'all just come along with me, we get this figured out. How many ministers are exactly the same? We're very similar. It's a hard place to be when you are the established thing in an established place, not thinking establishment 
thoughts of what serves me, what has always been, what is a threat we need to neutralize. I can't stop those thoughts in my mind or yours, but I can try to limit them. The structure is important. The location is important. But what we need to always remember is that the message will thrive without these things. The message is going to be fine. When we feel like we need to protect it on social media and we need to squash any threat and we need to go out with violence and vengeance with our words, these men thought that they were protecting the word in the temple as they confronted Jesus and threw him out and ultimately send him down the path that we're going to follow in the season of Lent. I love this campus. I love these buildings. I don't love having to unlock every door every time I go everywhere. I don't like that. And I really wish we had better Wi-Fi. We're going to work on that. But I love this campus. But the message will be fine without this campus. The message will be fine without us. The message will find its way to people who need to hear it. So what do we need to ask ourselves? It's not what do we need to protect. It's what we need to share. So as you come to the table today, Come like this. You're saying, I am willing to receive a gift I could not buy. I could not earn. I could not gain myself. I'm willing to receive it. And if you leave like this, you're saying, I'm also willing to share it. You know how hard it is to do both of those things? When you come to the table and you say, you know what, I'm pretty good. I think I've, I think I've done a pretty good job. But thanks anyway, I appreciate it. There's no sense of the amazing gift and love that is presented to you as you come to that table. The other thing we can do is come to the table and know that we need it and say, thank you, Lord, I'm so grateful for it. Anybody coming for it? Lord, I'm grateful for this gift that you have offered me. Lord, I will offer this gift to all whom I meet and offer it freely exactly the way that you offered me. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand and join me in our modern affirmation. We believe in God the Father infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift to the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of God fulfilled. We believe in the Holy Spirit as the divine presence in our lives, reminding us always of the truth of Christ our inspiration and strength in times of joy and sorrow. We believe our faith should be apparent 
in our words of love and acts of service that the kingdom of God may be a present reality here on earth. If you'll remain standing for the first part of our liturgy. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have, loved you. We have not broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's leave it right there. Go back one. I point this out every time. Joyful obedience is a rare thing. Those two sons. Those are the choices God has with humanity. Someone who says, I don't want to do it, and then goes and does it, and somebody says, yeah, uh, yeah, we'll do. Think about it, and then never does. God, with those two people, continues to offer opportunities to serve and to participate. And man, joyful obedience is a tough thing to capture. But if we understand that we've been an impediment individually and corporately and if we understand that we have an opportunity regardless of the fact that we've been an impediment to this point and if we have a new opportunity to serve perhaps we can be grateful perhaps we can participate perhaps we can be obedient with great joy we've confessed corporately Hear this forgiveness. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Forgiven. And the opportunity to be joyful, obedient, go from this place. If you'll please say peace be with you and be seated. This is the offering. As the bulletin says, you can give online with your phone or device. And you can also give as the plate goes by.
used simple elements to transform the lives of the people that were following him. Jesus at a table 
with his disciples, some of which who were going to say they were going to do it and not do it, some of which who were rejecting him who ultimately would do it, offered to all of them equally this very simple bread in the very simple cup. He said, this is my body, broken, given for you. Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. After the dinner, he took the cup. He gave thanks to God. He said to people who had heard of covenants going back thousands of years in this amazing faith that there was an opportunity for a new covenant, a new hope, a new purpose. He said, take and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many beyond this day. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. I'm going to call those forward who are helping serve this morning. And as they come, I'll tell you that in the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward for communion are welcome to do so. Everyone who participates in the liturgy that we just read with contrite and sincere hearts are welcome to come. And you'll come down the um, middle and you'll be served as you go out and you'll go back to your seat. And um, I'm always grateful for people who are willing to take bleacher seats to allow more seats. So bleacher people are going to come first. I want you to come down the middle and then uh, you can, if y'all will divide yourselves and go back um, that way. We serve by intention, which is a fancy word for we'll hand you a piece of bread and you dip the bread into the cup and then eat it. We also have um, gluten-free bread, should you want that, and um, just come and get that, and, and then you can dip that into the cup as well.
Lord, remove impediments from within us that we may receive your word. Remove impediments on this campus that others may feel welcome to come and hear your word. Remove impediments on the road we travel, not with traffic, but with our attitudes. Remove impediments in our homes and in our workplaces that we may with open hands offer what was freely given to us. Amen. Would you play, please stand and sing this last one with us?
They have a uh, lunch today celebrating Miss Beverly Davis, who's going to talk about her husband, Bill Davis's incredible commitment to this church. We want to pray for them and the table that they gather around, the message that they share, the hope that they bring to this congregation. Like the lyric says, take light deep into the dark. Go forth in peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.